Hello and welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. We Ain't Got No History's official podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and as always, I am joined by a very, very hard-working and busy ram. <laughs> Transfer right. periods. Silly yeah. season. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is quite a silly season. But, well, here we are, so good to be here, as always. Here we are, yes, and um, compared to usually, we do not have a guest today. We had a few that were in, might have come on, one in specifics, but some technical problems and also cancellation. So Ram and I thought, hey, you know, we're just as lovable and cute. Why not have just the two of us Yep, have a podcast? And that's what we're doing today because it has been an eventful week. I mean, blimey, <laughs> ups and downs, yeah. ups, ups and downs. Yeah, uh, but well, mm. um, arguably, if you, if the up was beating Hull City just barely, then that's well, not ideal, is it? <laughs> not really. No, I mean, it's great that we did because we did got the job done. And we'll go into the specifics of, well, not the Newcastle game. It's already a bit too long ago now, but um, the Arsenal game and Hull. But, you know, we got it done. That's the most important thing. But the way we won, I think it's normally it's valid if people say, you know, we got the job done, can't always play well. But as this has been a downward trend for quite a while now where we've, always been showcasing the same mistakes and the same uh, weaknesses. Yesterday yeah. was no no different, and that's the worrying thing about it. Uh, hmm. I mean, we can start with either game, but as the whole City game is just happened, basically, uh, we can also refer back to the Arsenal one. I mean, Ram, what... <sighs> What what's what's going wrong? Why can't we seem to keep a, keep a clean sheet? Why do we give the opponents so much room and space to work in? Why do we put take our foot off the pedal so often? What what kind of factors come into play here? What do you think? Well, one has got to be a mentality issue. At this point, you start to think what just just what the mentality in the first eleven is like on most weeks. And I'm not one to hearken back to things that people like Conte and Sari have said. But could there be an actual mentality issue with this group of players is one question. Another another thing relating to mentality is the side have been very open all season. So is there a general sense of vulnerability among the players? Are they are they just lacking are they lacking the grit to stand up to attacks and effectively shut them down, knowing that they've been conceding like this pretty much all season. They've been porous all season. That's that's probably probably the more intangible aspect of things. But in terms of what you can see with your eyes, I just I really can't see anything other than a lack of lack of structure. Really, I I think we still really lack a an imposing 
play. Uh, well, an imposing destroyer, I was about to say, but then you also need someone who can pass. So just someone who can sit at the base of midfield and, well, cause us to look a little more assured, I suppose. And our centre-backs, I'm just going to end up naming the entire team at this rate. But yeah, it's it's the it's the sitter, the the holder, the centre backs look very on and off. Uh, I wasn't very impressed with Rudiger, and our full backs are well. I, I'm not going to really put the blame on the full backs for yesterday, but in general, our defence needs reinforcements or that one position in midfield needs reinforcements but above all I think Lampard is also to blame for a lack of structure it's just it's not really it's not improved so much since say October or so has it when we I mean I remember saying the exact same thing back then as well yeah so yeah this this, this is what immediately comes to mind when I think of what's going wrong, but then don't, wouldn't you agree that you can't help but feel if we had put chances away in the first half, like we could have arguably, be, arguably been maybe four goals up or so in the first half alone. So mm. don't, don't you think that, I, I, I feel as if this might tie into the point about mentality, the fact that when you're leading really comfortably, getting complacent is one thing, but then not being afraid of conceding a game-changing goal and you know not letting that fear set into your minds that also kind of has to be a factor so i think it's some in in, in a small way it ties into not not putting yourself in a comfortable position in the in the first half so just not doing your business at the un, other end of the pitch what do you think about that i mean it can only be that <clears throat> at least partially right i mean it's one part of the problem that uh, Frank Lampard also addressed in his uh, post-match comments yesterday. So I totally agree on that. I think what is so sad about this whole thing, because we know that this is a year of transition. We know that we have a lot of youngsters and so on and so forth. But specifically this mentality, this lack of mentality, a strong one, as you mentioned, which has been crux for not only... Uh, Lampard at the moment, but also for Conte, for Sari, um, and even if we want to go that far back, Mourinho to a certain degree, although not a lot of players are still there. But you know, there's a certain culture that develops over time, which then gets passed on to players coming in. And I must say, I, I agree with you because I, I don't want to say it's a lack of motivation, but it's just the way they switch off at times and. There is a complacency that creeps in, no doubt about it. It just is so annoying because if you think back, I don't know, 10 years, that would have never have happened with the old guard. And I'm sure that Frank Lampard, although he has made quite a few mistakes in, in game management wise with substitutions, which I have not agreed with quite a few times. Um, but, you know, he, he as much as any other Chelsea fan here, knows what it takes to really get in there to play for the badge to have the correct mentality to win games even if you're in the losing position if you concede um it, i hate to say it but like arsenal for example did when they drew against us i mean they were one man down 
for the lion's share of the um, the game, but they yeah. nevertheless battled back uh, and drew. You know, and that away. I mean, there are others that say, "Oh, they celebrated it like they won the Champions League," but you know, <laughs> away at home where they have been dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And going down twice and still going back with a man less for 60-odd minutes, that's a really good result for Arsenal. And that's the kind of mentality that we would need. Of course, Arsenal showed it in one game. They won't show it at all anymore this season as they did not before that Chelsea game. It's just the way it happens in London derbies. But the point is that kind of mentality in that game, that's the way we have to do it. Also in our 2012 Champions League run, this feeling that even when you were down by several goals or you know Thomas Muller scored that that in the 82nd minute I think or 83rd minute that goal it was always even though one was depressed or worried this this feeling in the back of your head we know we can still do this because we always have done this that's the kind of culture that developed at Chelsea Football Club since Roman Abramovich or already before Roman Abramovich to be fair but specifically when Abramovich came in and of course invested heavily and at the moment of course with lots of young players coming in and even if they did um, see these players while they were youngsters it would be too much to ask from them to show the same level of this 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 uh, mentality just yet because they're still learning they're just come out of the formative years uh you know by with some you know 17 18 year olds it's just yeah. it's too much to ask from them so the emphasis is on the veterans to really get us going and as you know, well as some have played this season, like Jorginho, like Mateo Kovacic, to name the mo- two most impressive ones. But also, as you mentioned, Antonio Rudiger, William, <sighs> it's just not good enough. You know, I, I understand why Frank Lampard, after yesterday's game, said we need signings despite having won that game. Because yeah. it's just so painfully obvious that we need at least two to three signings this window. We're not going to get it. We'll be lucky if we even get mm-hmm. one. But that oh, is something that all contributes to this culture at the club at the moment where you think, well, what's the point? Because the board's not really supporting, although Lampard really did, you know, in a really fantastic way, implicitly say, yeah, we need this. And uh, I, I just sorry, I, I've been moving for, uh, around here. But yes, <laughs> I, I agree with you. Yeah, it's got a huge amount to do with this this mentality that is currently at the club and um i'm not sure how they changed that i really know if you think about it ram yeah how does one change that from one moment to another that doesn't really work so (laughs) i mean that that's the problem at the moment but wouldn't signings be kind of a lift in that because yesterday we were crying out for an attacking option if you ask me yeah i mean i guess signings would would go some way in help, helping to alleviate that, not just in terms of quality on the pitch, but you probably need some big characters as well. Because mm. that's Good probably point. what the team is missing the most. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we discussed at the starting of the season was to help develop the next bunch of big characters in the dressing room. So mm. that was obviously gonna take obviously gonna take a while, but 
clearly the, the the senior figures at the club already are not doing too well in that department so mm-hmm. ideally you'd want to sign someone who has a fighter's mentality or you know throw 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 all the old cliches around there and you know what i'm getting at and it yeah. sounds it sounds cliche it sounds a little banal but it's it's true isn't it but i agree yeah you know somewhat somewhat tying into that is the question of when i was watching the hull city game mm. the first half i'm not sure if it was just down to hull being intentionally bad or something but they looked terrible i've i've watched i've watched them a few times this season in the championship and they they looked so bad in the first half that i i couldn't believe it was the same team now they looked better in the second half but i don't know if it was down to them being bad or us being good but the first half was like a complete walk over we were all over them getting into the penalty area at will shooting squandering a lot of good opportunities as as you do but what i'm saying is i don't i don't know if it's just me or i don't know if you also felt this but in the second half did you feel as if some senior players maybe just weren't they just weren't into it as much <laughs> yeah that's a good point so uh, i believe so yeah and what i was thinking was should this not have been a situation where lampard maybe threw in another younger player from the start or something like that because i know i know hull city are very different from grimsby town there there are two leagues above them and they're they're a, they're a decent team in the championship but in this state when senior players appear to not uh be at their most motivated form well said, would, yeah. would it would it not be would it not be better to have maybe played Billy Gilmore from an earlier point or just just having started him instead or maybe give Matson a go at left back instead of Alonso or I, I don't know I was, I was just thinking about that because these these young players know that there's a pathway at the club now and putting the Grimsby game into perspective so many of them played in that game and they all did really well they're just they're going to be super motivated to play for the club whenever they step on on there and it's it's not as if you're putting them into a high stakes premier league game it's uh, well someone like lamte or gilmore who've been put in that situation before a higher pressure situations like that perhaps they could have been given more minutes as what i'm thinking to just give the give the team a lift overall I'm, come again i mean the <laughs> a bit long formulated i'm not i'm not sure what the question was there now well the question was do, do you think he should have played you he should have given more minutes or ah, he should right, have started no. he should have started i mean uh, one or two young players more because right mm. yeah you, you weren't really feeling it from from the team second second half onwards and i, I don't <sighs> think that would have been the case if uh there was someone who was you know fighting tooth and nail to have even a small look into the team in the near future like Gilmore or Lamte well sure one can always say that and in hindsight you know because one sees then these veterans that in the aftermath when those 
didn't uh, perform they sh- uh, the way they should have. Um, I thought Reece- Ross Barkley was quite decent yesterday, though in the second half, once again he wasn't good. He wasn't good at all. And I, yeah. I think I like that one uh, tweet that one had that he plays with the confidence of prime Zidane, but with the ability of prime Huddlestone. Uh, Huddlestone. That was a Huddlestone. Uh, <laughs> and that that's quite quite well put for Ross Barkley's uh, form because one knows there's a play in there but he just so rarely shows it that one can't really um, characterise him as uh, good enough for this squad at the moment Um, but regarding the youth I still believe that Lampard did the right thing here because one needs a certain amount of experience in the side I think the mixing that is pivotal to making this uh, side work um, and Lampard's football because you see um, Jorginho always dictating play barking out orders without him I think a lot of games would have been lost and that's the kind of experience and uh, veteran status that one needs certain players to have uh, if you're playing with such a young team as Chelsea is so I mean sure one could have said maybe that that defence was um, experienced enough to put in Lamp- uh, Lamperty. Yeah, actually, either Lamperty or, uh, or Matson, because Azpilicueta could have moved over to the left side. Yeah. But um, I understand why I didn't do it. It's not on Lampard, in my opinion. That one says, OK, yeah, well, we could have just as well given the, the chance to the youngsters. But on the veteran players themselves, because they should be the ones that are bringing stability to the side and they're not doing that and uh i'm looking at you antonio rudiger sorry for calling him out because i like him as a person but i know he didn't play yesterday but going back to the the other games like newcastle and arsenal he should be leading with example there but he just can't do that Uh, i know a a lot of people love him for his tackles where he's crunching tackles but often forgotten that he was the one making the mistake just before that uh he's barking out orders that's all great and all that but it's just so many mistakes and I just don't feel confident. And that's what one should have with veteran players, be that Antonio Rudiger, Marcus Alonso. Um, who else we got? Cesar Spilicueta at times or William. They should be um, leading by example uh, with the performance and they're just not doing that. So one can bring in the argument, as you just said, Ram, to maybe we should just play the youngsters. I mean, I'm sorry, against who was this again where we just brought on Lamperty and um it worked Arsenal. Wonders. Arsenal. Was it Arsenal? yeah, yeah it okay was. that at christmas yeah it was the at the emirates that was it yeah um so thank you so you saw there was he ready Lampard asked uh, jody morris morris said yes and he was and he performed well i'm sure that he wouldn't do that every game because that would be too much to ask from him at his age but still yeah, I believe so. Billy Gilmer, I think, is also one of the players one should talk about after yesterday. Some were talking about he was average. and all. I'm talking about the community. Uh, post-match reaction, yes, it is toxic. Yeah, yeah. But um, I believe well, he did a really good job, you know? Yeah. So did Lampard, he, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I think Lampard was actually saying that he was the best pitch on the play overall. And it was only on for 20 minutes. So that says a lot. And... Um, yeah, he just felt conf- uh, it just seemed as if he was really confident in the ball. And, uh, you know, before you bring on Ross Barkley, 
you can't you can't say well Premier League difference physicality on that because whole city is a physical side if you ask me and he was nevertheless able to shield the ball uh, work against the press there was even that one where he lobbed it over one of the whole players where I just thought Woof! <laughs> that was brilliant and um, yeah. why not you know I mean N'Golo Kante isn't the most physical at least not look wise depends how you use a body and he used it quite well so I think he should be in contention um yeah yeah i mean what what did you make of uh, billy gilmer's performance yesterday he, he was great uh, as you as you'd expect him to be mm-hmm. i <laughs> i uh, i saw i saw a take on the website today saying that he would be a very underappreciated player in well anywhere apart from chelsea because of his build and skill set that paints him as a slightly perlo-esque type player I find that to be highly untrue because he, he was training with the... He, I mean, he, he was making the uh, traveling squads for the Rangers, for the Glasgow Rangers first team at the age of 15. And you, you don't do that in a physical league like the Scottish Premiership unless you're really, really good on the ball considering you have a stature like Billy Elmore. So... I, th- I think he's overall just a quality player. He has a big future in the game. Even if that's not at Chelsea, I don't think that there's a really small pool of managers who are going to appreciate him. I, I think he's very different from George Mc- uh, sorry, Josh McEachern. Mm. Uh, not George. <laughs> I, I think he, he, he's, a, he's a different type of player. He, I, I think it's, it's very easy to generalize them as the same because they were not, both of them, neither of them are very tall. They're both quite good at passing, so on and so forth. But, yeah, uh, as, as far as the game itself was concerned, he was very composed. He's played against Man United. I, I, don't, I don't expect him to really have any hiccups against Hull City. No, he, he's doing nicely. He acquitted himself very well. You, you can tell that he was only his fifth, fifth appearance for Chelsea. Yeah. So, no, that was great. Um, were there any other positives to take from the game? Tomorrow, maybe. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> it was nice to see him back, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. And uh, I still think that he's one of the two centre-backs that should be starting at this point, even if he is making mistakes, because the talent is there. And one can just see that if he is given the minutes and the time to improve, even if he makes mistakes along the way, there's going to be a play in there, which I can't necessarily say of Kurt Zuma, even though he's this physical type, but he's just not... Yeah suited to the way we're trying to play if you ask me i agree and and it's it's just funny that tomori is the only center pack who's actually scored any goals for us this season yeah Although either goal was a very differing fashion <laughs> Sheffield united was an absolute wonder strike with his left foot i think and mm. yeah no, this was more conventional uh, but Ram- Ram, I think that's one point that one should also just just briefly address because I don't know how you feel about this, but one of the most saddening things which has changed since the old guard is that we just aren't dangerous in corners or set pieces in general anymore. Yeah, that was some one of the things that always really characterised Chelsea, where we got a corner or a free kick in a good position. You thought, oh golly, this could actually get a goal with Ivanovic, Terry, even Cahill going up field. It was just really really dangerous just it's evaporated and that's kind of sad how, how i don't know how we can get that back really but Tom oh, did well i feel you i, I feel you uh, i 
I I remember the days when out of nowhere John Terry would come and score off a corner or a free kick and we just feel like, oh Terry and you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it was yeah it it would just come out of nowhere in the most pleasant manner possible and just like that we'd be we'd be a goal better and that's just that hasn't happened for a long while has it it's nah. yeah nah, so nah, it's nah, it's nah. been a very glaring omission from Chelsea of the recent past I feel yeah. as if Tomori and see uh I think Christensen is actually a dark horse to fill this kind of role mm. Mm. because mm. he's if you remember he's had a number of occasions where he's come really close to scoring but he hasn't ideally he should be on like four or five goals for us already um but the good thing is he can pose a threat from from set pieces asking tomori uh the, the the thing with zuma is he he has a very ill timed leap so basically we've been seeing him all season trying to leap mm. and head the ball in but then he just mistimes it uh well palpably and uh, not, nothing comes of it so yeah no i i definitely agree that that's something we should be working on um actually this there there's a broader discussion to be had about this but we can we can pick it up after a short break welcome back to wayne gotner podcast and what i was getting at before the break was the overall point of chelsea should probably hire someone to coach set pieces yeah. and i was i was just thinking about the clip doing the rounds on twitter where steve nickel former liverpool defender of the 80s i think was on was on ESPN and he was debating with Julian Julian Laurence um on Liverpool having a throw-in coach uh or was it was it just a set piece coach a throw-in coach no it was no, a throw-in right. coach throw-in yeah coach. it was a, yeah, yeah. and he he was yeah. he was saying oh, he was saying did uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold need a need a set piece coach to identify the situation in which he he assisted that Origi goal against Barcelona in the Champions League semi-final and yeah no that that was that was all sorts of nonsense being thrown around but uh, he, the, the fact is that he was just so egregiously wrong <laughs> the fact of the matter is even having these marginal gains whether it's ball retention from throw-ins or how what kind of situations to map out what sort of set piece strategies to take these things make a difference they're increasingly making a difference now they made a difference with midland in denmark i know it's denmark but it's it's very relevant it's a it's a top flight relevant european league yeah and it was a proven success for midland uh brentford followed the suit they they hired they hired a set piece coach they've improved liverpool have hired a throw in coach and now i think they average the highest retention of ball possession after a throw in second only to midland and i think the person they fired is the same as the guy who was at midland so obviously these things make a difference and i don't know what what discussions are going on behind closed doors in the chelsea boardroom but i feel as if it's something chelsea should think about investing in it would probably also 
allow Lampard and Morris that much more time to focus on other things if they have a designated person for set pieces, as that's clearly been a problem all season, whether it's defending set pieces where we're quite vulnerable and offensive set pieces where we just aren't quite effective enough, are we? I think we've scored from maybe three or four set pieces at most, Mm. and those have all been quite recent. None of them came at the start of the season, as far as I can remember. So, yeah, this is actually... Offensive set pieces may be a little understated as a weakness of our team because it's it's not conventionally something you would associate with a weakness. It's just this team does not possess this sort of strength. They're not strong at set pieces. But as far as I'm concerned, mm. the, the time has come where clubs are waking up to having these sort of marginal gains and they're reaping the benefits. So there's, there's no reason transition to that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean... That is something where one just has to go with the time, basically. Uh, that's actually a word-to-word uh, translation from a German saying. But, you know, it works <laughs> nonetheless. Um, you know, this the, in these times, even though it might sound unconventional for people like Nichols, who is a, yeah, a very questionable pundit at best. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, you know... Something one does, and I don't know if Chelsea has one in science or is thinking about doing this already has one. I don't know, you know, he might not be um, stated on this website. You never know. Oh, well, um, uh, I, I, would, I would hope not because that means he's not, well, not doing his job very well, is he? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, pro- <laughs> uh, let's hope there's none so that we can get one. But, you know... When we're talking about these defenders uh, also scoring goals, the attacking side generally, yeah, Christensen being a good example that he just can't finish one of his chances because he's had some great positions he's gotten in in the past. Uh, but generally our attack, you know, Tammy Abraham, great season for him, but still he could have at least five to six or seven goals more. He should, let's be honest. Same with yeah. all the other players up front, um, even though Callum Hudson is always now getting into his groove. It's just got to be more. But that's pretty obvious. You know, there's not really much more to say. We need reinforcements. There's not much more that we can do at this point. Either they pull themselves together and actually convert those chances. Maybe it's got to do with confidence. Not sure. Probably. But we also need reinforcements because that gives a lift. And we know how William reacts if a winger comes in because then he wants to, what was it, kill the lion or whatever that that one slay the lion is. (laughs) It, competition is healthy, and it might also give the one the one the wingers we already have impetus. Hey, I have to do something, or I have to be more clinical. And this new player would pro- probably, I hope, would be more clinical. Uh, yeah. We can talk about a few of the candidates that have recently come up over the past week. Uh, oh yeah, I, I can talk to you about one of them at great great length. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I know which one that is. But yeah. just going back to, for example, the Arsenal game. Yeah. Um, when we talk about defensive woes, because this is like the one in impa- uh, one area where, from the start, I can still remember when we were to- talking to Joe Tweedy, um, uh, Lampard was one of our best players ever. You know, he's the highest scoring mid uh, well, midfielder. Yeah, midfielder and our highest scoring player of all times. Um, attacking wise, I'm pretty sure he knows what he's doing, uh, yeah. especially in the midfield. But there were always some concerns. How much can you really 
coach when it comes to defence. Of course, he has other assistant coaches, uh, goalkeeper coach, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff, because we could talk about Kepa, but I don't know how you feel about this. I just don't want to, because I think it's ridiculous that we're even questioning selling him already. He's having a bad season, but, you know, anyone can have that. And he showed last season that he can be good. I really want to give him a bit more time, at least until the end of the season, before we slate him. You know what he needs? He needs needs a good number two. Someone who isn't isn't Willy Caballero. Someone who actually threatens a starting place. I I know it's, uh, well, precarious to have two goalkeepers of a comparable level when one of them costs 70 million, but it it doesn't have to be a seventy million pound signing. It can be it can just be a good young keeper who's going to actually threaten Kepa's starting spot because I, I Caballero is a is a reliable backup and all that, but he's realistically not getting any better. He's just there to he's there as a insurance policy or mm-hmm. what what have you. So say for example we had someone like if okay. If You're going to say in, Nick Pope, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm not going to say Nick Pope. Ah, I, don't like him. I don't like him that much. <laughs> if, he, if he had a, even an Aaron Ramsdale type, or if if Jamie Cumming went on loan to a championship side and did really well and came back, and or just say hypothetically he had two really strong loans and came back. So that would, that would actually push Kepa. And maybe that would just overall be more conducive to getting more out of him because right now there is he's, his position is just not under threat, is it? it it's not like Czech versus Kotoa where um, Mourinho could in theory take one out of the side and put the other in when one of them wasn't playing well. Um, it, it's just, it just hasn't been the case since since Czech left. We've just had a bunch yeah. of squad fillers. I mean, it, it's just been Caballero really, hasn't it? And he's He's also at the twilight of his career, so he's, yeah, I've been through those points. So that that's what I think about Kepa. I I don't think he's a, well, I don't think he's he's an amazing keeper yet. He's probably not not as terrible as numbers and other things paint him out to be yet, because these things can fluctuate. Such are goalkeeper metrics. Yeah. But he's obviously not not doing very well. No, and that's it's something that they should be. Yeah, there's, it's something that they should be looking at whether whether the solution is to replace Caballero with a more able, developing keeper who's going to challenge Kepa, and that that may be the best way forward. Yeah, I, I think that is also the one option where I say, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Although I really like Willie Caballero, you know, I, I think he we couldn't have had a better uh, backup goalkeeper the past. He can take the Eduardo years. role next to Felix. <laughs> yeah, that, that, wow, that, yeah. Anyway, not even going to go into that signing. What the, uh, anyway. Um, but at, during the Arsenal game, that's where I want to come to, where I'll just link also Kepa in. The two goals that they scored, personally, I thought Kepa couldn't really do much. The one that Martinelli uh, scored, no, that's that's not on him because he came out. Super he can, yeah, and he, he can only really try and make himself as big as possible. But it went uh, the other side of him. What's he supposed to do? And the, the Hector Bellerin one, I'm sure there are world-class keepers that will keep that out. Um, Bellerin is never going to score that one in his career. Uh, no. And the thing is, 
it goes right in the corner. He didn't really see that much. And that was much more on the uh, defensive players. I get that Tammy Abraham was injured, but then he's not allowed to be in that area at all. If yeah. you're not going to be able to defend, then you don't don't take up such a crucial area. I don't know if you just thought Bellerin wouldn't score from there. It doesn't really matter. Point is, the defending was atrocious on both goals. And, um, you know, one, one really has to say it'd be very harsh to put that on Kepa. Of course, then, if we go back to the Newcastle game, that was, for me, 50% on Rudigan, 50% on Kepa. So that was one of those errors where Frank Lampard himself said, yeah, he knows himself he has to improve. And I'm sure he does. And that's why I think it's ridiculous that we're talking about, yeah, Slayton, he hasn't, he can't do anything. You know, wait for it. Because after that penalty shootout against Frankfurt, everyone was saying, oh, how great he was. And it was great. But, you know, if he has a great performance against one of the big teams, all these big accounts on Twitter that were slating him will say, oh, yeah, well, blah, blah, he's so good. We should have written him off. You know, why do people write him off? It's just so oh, shallow, shallow and ridiculous. Give him time at yeah. least at the end of the season. But coming to the defence now, to the real defensive issues, that second goal, I think, speaks volumes of why we're in. We cannot defend to save our lives. And I think that a signing, a shrewd signing like Van Dyke is the way to go. Of course, we're not going to get that in this in this window. I think if we're going to improve anyway, it's going to be up front. So how do we proceed here? Um, one saw that as soon as Reese James had to be subbed off due to injury. And yeah. for me, he was our best player on the pitch, even though he only played 50 minutes or what it was. Um, everything went to <clears throat> you know, <laughs> it just it didn't work. And um, oh, no, sorry, that was against Newcastle, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just been such a but the same <laughs> thing applies there. You know, our defense was not as solid at all anymore once Reece James had to go off. But um, OK, in Arsenal's uh, case here, we were in control. The first uh, half didn't take our chances. Same story as always. And um I just think it's terrifying as a Chelsea fan right now to think, hey, doesn't matter how impotent uh, a team is like without Aubameyang, with a man less, uh, with an, what was it, what's Martinelli, 20-year-old up front? Yeah. They can still penetrate us and cause us problems, dire problems, you know, where we can't really... Uh, get a result. I, I mean, we got a point, but it felt like a loss. Let's be completely honest here. It did, yeah. And that is something where I'm not quite sure how Lampard should proceed here. I mean, this is another of those areas where you think, hey, only really signing, upgrading players will improve because each defender has his uh, virtues and vices. Um, but, for example, Antonio Rudiger and Kurt Zuma, for me, are pretty similar. People always saying Rudiger's much better on the ball. I haven't seen any of that this season. And I was already being very critical of him about that last season, where he was also not good under Sari. So you've got two very similar defenders. You've got Fikel tomorrow, who is very good on the ball, but still got a lot to learn. But you've got the pace. I think they do have quite a few things that go for them, uh, each of them, but they're similar in that regard. Christensen hasn't got the physicality, but he's good on the ball. So for me, at the moment, Fikel Tomori and Andreas Christensen, I've, I've said it in quite a few of the lineups that are, uh, articles that I wrote about, I really, really want to see those two combine 
um, in the Premier League game. But Frank Lampard wants the experience. I get that. But Antonio Rudiger just isn't given the security that we need. And that's frustrating me at the moment. I've got to say, I just wanted to take issue with that. <clears throat> yeah, no, I agree. But then what do you do with our centre-back situation? That's, it's In terms of personnel, when you have four centre-backs who are young-ish and you don't know how much more they're going to improve, yeah. what do you do? Uh, exactly. It comes back to our old question of which one do you replace, isn't it? And in the last podcast, we asked we asked the question of would you keep Christensen? Since then, he's been starting, hasn't he? Yeah. And how would you say how would you say he's done? Oh, well, I don't I don't think that one can fault him really too much because the the Newcastle goal wasn't on him, if you ask me. Um, the Arsenal game could have done better. And that second goal, the entire defence could have done better. Maybe not the right back because, you know, too far on the other side, opposite side. But I think there was no one that really took up responsibility and went out and tried to, you know, um, not let him cut in. Because you can't let Hector Bellerin cut in, even though he, as you said, never score one of those like that again. Still, you don't do that. Take him to the outside, pull him on the outside, and don't let him cut in. That's, that's just not good enough. And um, I think still what I've seen, I've liked more than what I was seeing um, in the weeks prior where we were playing with Kurt Zuma and Antonio Rudiger by quite a bit. But I think that if we would have a defence as young as it might be with Reese James and Ten- Antonio Rudiger, sorry, Andreas Christensen, uh, Fikel Tomori, and Cesar Spilicueta. I think that will work. Of course, if we play three of them back in one of the big games, because we have quite quite a few feisty fixtures coming up now, um, then fine. But that will be, if we're playing a four at the back, that will be my preferred um, centre-back pairing and full-back pairing. So, so what do they want to go then? Sorry? Zuma they want to go then? You mean at the end of the season? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess because Antonio Rudiger actually it's a very hard decision. The arguments for Rudiger and the arguments against him the same with Zuma. Um, but if Andreas Christensen is able to really improve now and show that form that he was before that one Barcelona game, because people can slate him as much as they want. No one can argue or doubt that he was one of, if not the first name on the team sheet for several weeks and months before that game. He was imperious. You could not touch him. He was fantastic. He was impeccable at the back. And if we can get that Christensen back again, fine, great. No, I, I think he can work on the physical aspect. It's a lot to do with mentality with him. We know that. Sorry, said as much with yeah. this, you know, being sick and so on. So I think it'd be daft uh, to sell him uh, off in the summer. So for me, it's got to be one of Antonio Rudiger or Kurt Zuma. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll put the question to you here because I think I'm really. This is something that I wrote down because I was really interested to hear what you say about this Ram. Because I knew we were going to talk about the centre backs. What if? Ethan Ampadu's loan is cut short 
because it does mm-hmm. seem as if this is very possible. Bringing him in to cover both at centre-back and at, in midfield to give another option, someone who's never really faltered, who's always shown confidence in everything he does, very rarely made mistakes. Could he be someone for now that maybe we don't even need another centre-back to come in if we bring him in here? Yes, five centre-backs, but still, you know, never know. What do you say there? <laughs> Very interested in this now. Um, although, sorry, Rand, before you answer, maybe we should just quickly take a short break. And and we're back on We and Gardner podcast. And I have done a lot of thinking in this brief <laughs> interval. <laughs> but the thing, haven't we been talking about getting an upgrade on centre-backs? I mean, listen, I'm... I would be down with getting Ethan Ampadu back. Um, I think about 85% of the fan base would not be, but I've, I've never, never been one to care, so that's okay. The, the thing is, it shouldn't, it shouldn't come at the prog- it shouldn't come at the cost of his development. If he's, if he's not going to play, just don't do it. It's not, you can't. He's also at this juncture of his career, where. He needs to be playing. Like you've noticed how he's been injured, right? Just before he went yeah. to Leipzig on loan, he was supposed to have played a lot more than he did last season, even if it were just in cups uh, and the Europa League. But he was just. Oh, sorry. I think the Europa League was a registration issue or something like that because he hasn't been hasn't been in the club for more than four years. Uh, anyway. Leaving that aside, he was supposed to have played more than he did because, but but he didn't because he had, what whatever you call it, maybe growing pains or whatever it is. But he was he spent a lot of time out injured, and now he's been in Leipzig and he's just he's just been training really. He's just yeah. played in two or three games, I think, and um, only one of them has been a start, which he got hauled off at halftime. So. He's really at a point where he needs to play. It's not as if he's 22 or 23 and fighting for his career, but I would argue that it's just as important for players who are, you know, at that juncture between mm-hmm. about 19 years old, where before crossing into their 20s, they need to have played a decent amount of football in order to progress down the best possible development path that they can have. So if Ethan Ampadu is going to play, and consider it, we, we might not even be in the Champions League. By the time you we might think of such a thing, mm. so the opportunities might not even be there for him to play unless Lampard starts rotating a lot in the Premier League. So, personally, I wouldn't do it. Personally, if if I had to choose keeping Ampadu in the squad at all, I would have done it in the summer because um, he would have had ample opportunities to play. So, I would have, I would have kept him in the summer, but now I just don't think it's worth it. If, if you're recalling him, you might as well send him somewhere else where he's going to play. Because I know there are going to be so many clubs happy to have him. Just happen to choose the one with, uh, well, a very, very tough task on his hands to even get into the starting eleven. Such is the nature of Leipzig. But huh. yeah, that, those are those are my thoughts on this matter. Um, anyway, shall we get down to discussing some recent transfer targets then. Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed in that answer. I mean, it's it's the most, it's sensible, don't get me wrong. It's very, very sensible, and yeah. you're right, probably, and but I'm still, still I think really like to see, yeah. 
<laughs> damn you, Ram. Damn you. <laughs> Destroy of dreams. Now, I get it. Even though I think, still think he could do quite a, jo- a, a quite a good job in stabilizing that defense, but maybe I'm asking too much of him. Um, as you said, he hasn't been playing much. So, yes, let's get to these recent transfer rumors as the last section yeah. or segment of today's podcast. And you know which one I'm itching to talk about. Christoph Piatek, right? Piatek. (laughs) (laughs) No? That's very surprising, Ram. It can't be that championship bloke that everyone's talking about. Uh, Is everyone really talking about him, though? Well, we are, of course, talking about Oliver George Arthur Ollie Watkins, who plays for Brentford in the championship. He was playing for Exeter City in... 2016-17 got oh Exeter City where he would have crossed Ampadu. paths with Ethan Ampadu yeah. perhaps yeah. yeah he definitely would have I think they came in the same academy setup so mm-hmm. yeah Ollie, Ollie Watkins basically got picked up by one of the smartest clubs in the world Brentford <laughs> they really are one of the smartest clubs in the world you'll see when they reach the Premier League so ever since then he's he's played about I think he's played in the excess of 100 games at Brentford. He initially played as more of a wide player coming inside. Right. Uh, they, they have a slightly Liverpool-esque front three, Brentford do. So now, you know, you know, Neil Maupai plays for Brighton. He was Brentford's main striker last season. And he obviously left for Brighton in the summers and they didn't they didn't really replace him with another big name striker. So Ollie Watkins has basically become their first choice, number nine. And he's done very well, of course. He has been scoring at will, scoring very freely. 17 goals, right? 17 goals, yeah. 17 yeah. goals in 27 appearances, or 26 appearances at the time of speaking. He, he's in a side that creates a lot of chances, just like Chelsea. Uh, and he... He scores every type of goal. He can create his own shots. He can. He's good at finishing with uh, with his feet, with his head. He scored a lot of header goals uh, this season, actually. But that's not to suggest that he's a he's a target man type striker at all. No, he's very mobile, very good with the ball, his feet. Exactly the type of player who you would want if you're looking for someone who can play both out wide and in and up front as well. They. They were quite devastating with Ben Rama on the left and uh, Watkins on the right and Mopai up front last season. And uh, This season they have the BMW um, front three where Watkins is the W, he's up front. So yeah, he would he would be one of the players to get if you were looking for players who would make the step up from the championship. Uh, How old is he? Sorry. He is... 24, actually, just turned 24. So he, this... Oh, he's not young. Okay. He, he's no, he's not. He's not fledgling or anything. But this is the point where, I mean, you know John McGinn, right? Mm. John McGinn was heavily linked with a move to Man United, and he probably will move to a bigger club. Jack Relish is twenty-four. Jack Relish, um, or he's twenty-five even, and he's just he's come around to the time. Mm. Yeah, and. He's had a good season, and now people are saying he should be at a top six club, which he should because he's very good. Uh, my point is that it's it's not as if he's he's too it's too late for them to play for a for a for a good club 
for a top six club in the Premier League. Mm. Um, there's every chance that he could go on to have a Grealish-esque season next season, whether that's with Brentford or whether whatever team that gets from Motor picks him up, because he is a very good player. So, yeah, yeah. Or just, just generally speaking, if Chelsea could do a lot worse when they're looking for an option like that, because he ticks a lot of boxes. Uh, yeah, but, just, just, mm. just not the proven top five European one, which is probably quite important. Yeah, that's so, what we need, don't you think, Ram? I mean, I know you're. I know very... we do, but then I, I have, I have spoken about restructuring our mm. forward line a bit, haven't I? So if, if you do need someone to double up as a second choice striker to Tammy Abraham, or maybe even a third choice striker slash fourth choice, third choice winger. That's that's not a bad option to have. I, imagine you replace Pedro with Ollie Watkins in the squad. That's that's an upgrade in my opinion. So might be an upgrade, but you know, I <clears throat> I can tell you. I mean, you don't have to retain not, William. You can upgrade William. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, it would be very underwhelming. You know, as we haven't been signing anyone, and I get when you, of course you're always going to be in favour of very talented uh, championship players because that's where you like uh, to watch games. And I fully understand the championship is very entertaining. But, you know, for people that aren't as uh, well uh, educated in the championship, they'll probably see that as a huge step down as someone who's improving and he isn't at the highest level, as you already yourself said. I just think he's not the kind of signing that we need now. But, you know, in the summer as a second or third striker, fine. You know, I think that it could work, you know, Probably uh, low risk, uh, quite a bit return. Yeah, we'd get, but not not now. If you ask me, I think we really need someone who can immediately uh, score all kinds of goals. And I know yeah. he might be able I to am, do that. I am we... all for taking Edinson, Edinson Cavani now. Hmm. If um, that's who we're going to discuss next. Well, I I I've had quite a few debates about this with uh, other Chelsea fans. I don't see why he'd come, you know, uh, or why PSG would be selling him to us. Because, in all honesty, um, Atletico is already apparently, it's always apparently at this point, but uh, offered 10 million. They didn't want that. So, Cavani wants them, they want Cavani. It doesn't really seem as if he wants to go to the Premier League, according to reports. Wages will be a problem anywhere, even though probably if he wants to go to Madrid, he'll say, yeah, OK, then it's more likely that he'd say, oh, take a pay cut. But it just doesn't make sense. Why would PSG do us a favour and let us loan him? People saying, yeah, well, then he's off the books. Who says he, they want him to be off their books? Because they weren't going to sell him. Just Atletico came. He wants to leave because, of course, behind Mbappe and Icardi, he is not the number one. Um, but I think Mbappe plays more on the right anyway. And, it, you know, he's still getting a few games. I don't see why PSG would want to sell him. You know, they want to uh, be playing for the Champions League and they need all the firepower they can get there if an injury hits them. So I don't think they want to sell him because that was never the case that someone was talking about that. And um, they, they, they they would be getting less if they'd loan him to us. They don't need to sell him or, you know, get his, him off the wage bill. 
it will just turn out that Atletico will give them a few million more. Cavani and him will uh, come to a conclusion regarding the wages, and that'll be it. I just can't see anything else happening there. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, so I don't think Edison Cavani is coming to us. It hasn't didn't come 2013 or every other year after that and before that even. It won't be coming today or this month. That's my opinion on the Cavani <laughs> situation. So uh, I think it's ridiculous to even take it into consideration. Well, I gladly hear your your opinion, but immediately also yeah. Christoph Piantic. Not Piatek, Piantek, that's apparently how one pronounces him. Um, okay. Another option. But what are your thoughts? Because I think if we're going to get anyone, then it would have to be Piantek, although he has also not been too good since moving to Milan, but that could have quite a few other issues. or I think that that's also down to Milan. Mm, exactly. not, not being very good. Uh, yeah, I, I would probably take Piantek. Although he he's he's not the, he's not the type to get very involved in build up the way Abraham does. Ah. Mm, that's true. He's more of a Batshuayi type, isn't he? Uh, he's 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 a penalty box striker. He's there to finish chances. Is Batshuayi still that though? That's the question. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Batshuayi is a bit of an enigmatic striker now. So. Mm. I I would I would take Piantek for just just a lack of Europe proven options I guess although it's it's worth noting that Piantek like two years ago at this time was playing in Poland yeah true. and he's 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 generally had a good goal scoring record he will I'm hoping he'll finish chances if if the team sets them up, which Milan haven't really been doing. But the thing is, he's he's been massively underperforming this season. Mm. He's, um, sorry to go a little nerdy on this one, but I was just looking at his expected goals. They're not, they're not bad. They're going at, they predict him to be going at just over one goal every three games, which okay. is not, which is not so bad, given that he's playing for AC Milan. But the the fact of the matter is, he's actually not being in, he's not being converting those chances. Mm. He's he's almost four goals below his projection. So he's he's he's, he's only been hitting thirty five percent of his shots on target, which is always a worry because you would ideally want players to at least hit the target from. From the shots that they've been taking, someone like Tammy Abraham is probably sitting more near fifty percent of the yeah. shots on target. And yeah, so basically, Piatek seems to be having a massive finishing slump this season. In addition to being uh, in a side where he's not he's not receiving as many chances as he would like, perhaps. But given that he has a I mean, he has a record of scoring goals for the two seasons before AC Milan. You you'd probably you'd probably say that okay, that's that's not bad for a loan until the end of the season or something because that is what we're talking about, right? I don't know about a loan to the end of the season, but 
I mean, I don't know if we can call this short term because maybe everyone's also thinking of the long term, and that would explain why this is all taking so long. Um, uh, so is, well, I could, I, I could see, I could see Chelsea being okay with a loan with option to buy because mm. you'd have. I mean, I think we had a similar thing with Falcao, didn't we? And Higuain as well, where we got them on loan for six months with an option to buy at the end of the season, and. Fortunately, they both turned out to be quite bad, so we didn't get them. Yeah. And with with the with Piatek, you'd have a good opportunity to see how he'd play in the side that would create good chances for him. I mean, not that not not to say that we're creating amazing chances at the moment, but we're probably better off than AC Milan. So <laughs> hopefully, yeah. There's 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 a chance to see how he'd play in a side like Chelsea, how he would just generally take to the Premier League and. Then we can make the decision in the summer. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be a loss-loss situation. I mean, AC Milan are doing the exact same thing with Ante Rebic, who they loaned for I think two seasons from Eintracht Frankfurt yeah. with an option to buy. And yeah, so. But why would they? Why would they loan into us? There's no real point, if you ask me. I mean, maybe we, we, we have would, a good we would, relationship. We would pay but... them. We would pay them. A substantial loan. Who, who else have they have? They've got Ibrahimovic now. They've got Rebic, as you said. Yeah, but I don't know. It just. Mm. But okay, the thing is, and uh, this is one point I want to address because I saw it in one of the articles uh, today. Um, Christoph Piantic, Piantic, sorry, as you said, he does have quite a few similarities to Tammy. Uh, to Tammy, everyone, you say, uh, Mishy Bashwai. Mm-hmm. But the thing is. It doesn't matter who it is, if he's similar to one of the strikers we have or any attacking options, or he's one that I think the striker we need, someone like Aguero, this doesn't have to even be tall, but, you know, quick and intelligent with his play, really going in behind something that Tammy Abraham doesn't always do, but he can hold up the ball more and more. Uh, oh, he's improving there. And the um, thing is, we just need someone who's scoring, who's in form. Tammy Abraham's up and down. Mishu Bashwai isn't in form. Callum Hudson is just coming back to form, but you can't put all the goal-scoring uh, responsibilities on him. That wouldn't be fair. William isn't the kind of guy who you can expect more than 10 goals a season. Um, so where do the goals come from? Pedro's too old now. We just need someone who is in form, who's banging them in left, right, centre at the moment. Doesn't matter if he's like Tammy Abraham, if he's like Callum Hudson-Odoi. It doesn't matter for me personally. Now, I just think we need someone who can score the goals. That's the most essential thing. And if uh, we get Piantek, he isn't in form, so I don't see how that really makes sense. It's the same with Higuain last season. Same yeah. with, if we're going completely honest, Edison Cavani as well. He scored two and nine. Of course, he hasn't had a run of games and all that, but it's nevertheless the case he's not in form. The argument can be brought. Of course, we're not going to get someone like that because why would the team sell him at this point in the season? Makes sense, but we have to at least try, even if it's from then the lower league. And that's why I'm so much in favour of getting Moussa Dembele. Overpaid, maybe. Give him the 60 mil that they want. He's in form since these whole transfer rumours have come up. He's been in ridiculous form. He's scored, like, multiple goals a game, if I'm not mistaken. So... He's also good in assisting, so I think he will be our safest bet in really uh, getting in uh, an attacking option who will immediately contribute to the way 
we perform. What 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 would your sentiments be on that? No, I agree. I would I would take Musa Dembele. He is as good as option as good as an option as you would get to play with Tammy Abraham. I guess he would. I, th- I think I said before that he would be a better version of Michi Bachua in, in terms of having a pedigree from League A. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, no, I I would take I would take Musa Dembele even if that. Uh, I'm a bit iffy on the price tag because I always like to think of what happens beyond the season. But you're right in saying that we need someone to score the goals right now because getting top four is probably important. Imperative. If we want to. Mm. Uh, well, yeah. I'd say it's imperative because if we really want to attract the kind of caliber of players that we're probably aiming to do, that's why we're not really spending as much. Although we haven't had reinforcements in ages. So for me, that's the only va- valid explanation, viable explanation, that we're just holding on to the, the creme de la creme, right? I mean, if not, then what the hell are we doing? Well, yes, but... Oh, yeah, I... I I'm a bit... I'm a bit... I'd, li- I'd like to contest... I'd like to contest that point, saying that there should be... Well... This is this is all the this is this these are the effects of an ill-timed transition transition I guess uh, apologies for all the stuttering but this 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 ideally should have come maybe a, a couple of years or three years ago where we could have transitioned properly in some ways the transition has come at a good time in some ways it it's come at a bad time because yeah. we don't have we don't have that much spending power uh, well. We may have the spending power now that we have the money from Eden Hazard and saved money from one transfer window of not making any signings. Mm. But we we don't seem to have the pull of being Chelsea anymore, if you get what I mean. And I, I, I suppose I suppose I must agree that finishing in the top four is important. Here to to go in the right direction towards regaining that or at least sustaining that. But I don't know. At the start of the season, when we discussed what our expectations were, yeah, did you say a top four was imperative, or are you saying a top four is imperative because we have somehow worked ourselves, we have somehow worked ourselves into a position where we are fourth I'd, at the moment? Like the latter. I mean, of course, it's always easier now because at the beginning of the season, one says, "Ah, well, you know, it's a transition season. We shouldn't put our expectations too high. And that's all good than that. But once you're in that position, you want to keep it. We're in a good position. And that's where, for me, Chelsea is far too reactive. It's not proactive. If we were proactive, we would see, okay, we're in a pretty good position despite transfer ban, so many youth players coming in, Lambert being inexperienced. This is a good position we're in. But exactly that's the kind of position you then need to strengthen in. Make it even more dominant, that position. I mean, we're not in the top... uh, We're still in the top four right now. Not because we've been playing well these past few weeks. It's 
solely, solely because the others have not been performing as crappily, sorry, as we have. You know, they, they've been just as bad. Uh, Manchester United, of course. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur, yada, yada, yada. It's not one our own achievement here. Let, let's be completely frank. Let's be frank here. So, um, as such, we need the reinforcement. Should be seeing that. And, okay, that's how we're going to to assure our position on the top four. But that's just yeah. not happening. And that's very, very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that very happy note, shall we look forward to the next game? Yes. <laughs> it's. Uh, Sorry, it's, I just uh, had to be said. <laughs> Oh, no, no, I get that. It's it's only the truth, I suppose. Well, our next game is a trip to the King Power Stadium against Leicester City. Mm. Uh, it, it's the start of a tough run-in. The start, yeah. well, uh, one could argue that we're already in the midst of it, but the toughest stretch of our run-in comes now where we have Leicester away, we have Manchester United at home, despite them being Manchester United uh, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, which means they're not doing very well. They're still they're still somewhat of a kryptonite to us at the moment, so that's yeah. one to be wary of. So Leicester away, Man United at home, Tottenham at home, and FZ Bayern Munich at home. Bayern Munich, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, I butchered that. No, but yeah. Uh, so Leicester, Leicester are still doing quite well, doing better than us anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's not really t- uh, hard at the moment. Uh, not not hard in this edition of the Premier League, I suppose. But they're still they're still three points off second place, which is not not, not too bad considering second place is Manchester City. Well, they've had a few uh, starters recently, have they not? They have, they have. Um, you could argue that it's not it's not the strongest standard of league this season, but that that should that should not be a blight on Leicester's performance because they've done well. They're generally they're generally a club on the upturn. They have a good manager and Brendan Rodgers. They're consistently making all the right decisions with transfers, bringing yeah. in a bunch of really good players. Even today, they've submitted a bid for uh, Ibrahim Diallo from Strasbourg, who will eventually turn out to be a good player. I'm sure. But yeah, they're they're another club who are doing things right. They're they're doing a lot of things right. Mm. And Jamie Vardy is having yet another good season. The man just doesn't slow down, does he? So although although he has kind of kind of slowed down recently, I think. But yeah, in general he's been on a season wide finishing hot streak as far as expected goals are concerned. Um so yeah, Leicester are Always going to be a difficult side to face. They have a lot of quality in their team. Obviously, we just mentioned Vardy, but at the back they have a bit of a breakout star in Kaglar Soyuncu. Yeah, they have um, uh, one of the best fullback pairings in the entire league in Ricardo Pereira and Ben Chilwell. Ooh, oh, wow. that is that is such an amazing fullback pair. And in midfield, uh, Indiri, Madison, uh, who else do they have in midfield? Uh, oh, Teal Chilemans, of course. Mm. Uh, he hasn't really been playing much recently, if I'm not mistaken. But 
Yeah, they they have. Uh, yeah, they've been rotating, but they've been playing Nampalas Mendy and Pry and Hamza Chowdhury, and that's yeah. Obviously, they have they have good depth in the squad. Again, they're a side that has been doing well the transfer window. So, generally, they have re- really really good players in the squad, and they are they are wedded to playing a certain way because Brendan is a man who knows how he wants to play football. Yeah. So. In a way, they're a lot more settled than us as a side, despite Rogers being there for only a shorter while than Lampard. And it's going to be tough. Uh, it's also a way. Uh, I mean, uh, conventionally, it should be tough, but then where Chelsea? So at the moment, it's easier. So I, I honestly don't know which way that's going to go. I am yeah. apprehensive. Uh, it's I suppose it's understandable for all of us to be apprehensive. You know how the goal difference leads on the league table right now. Liverpool has a goal difference of 39, Man City right. 38, Leicester City 28, Chelsea 9, and that should uh, that should tell you that should tell you a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe lost this one. Uh, I would be wary of overreactions if we lost this one. Although I wouldn't be surprised if we lost it. Or be, ideally, I would love if we. Um, at least, at least drew or won, got something out of the game. Yeah. So, um, gonna be safe and predict, uh, oh, a scoring draw. So, a two-all draw. Hmm. Uh, I just have to add, Ben Chilwell hasn't been in very good form recently. Uh, that's not something one should write him off as a transfer target by all means. But yeah. the amount of times he's been losing possession is actually, I think, a new record, if I'm not mistaken. It's ridiculous how often he lost uh, possession in that one Southampton game. Yeah, it was re- like, might be wrong, but 30, I think it was 30 or 60 times. I know that's a very wide margin for error, but yeah, um, yeah. but it was even 30 is huge. So as such... Um, He's not having the best of times, and there were actually Leicester fans who were saying, you know, oh, we'd be lucky to get the 60 <laughs> mil or something like that for him. And uh, that's that's just that's just every fan base, though. Yeah, that's someone has a. Yeah. I know, but the point is, yeah, that they uh, that he isn't doing all too well at the moment, and that's fine because you can't always be in great form. Yeah. Um, but that's maybe something that we can look to exploit. You know, if he really isn't in good form right now. With then, Hudson Adoy and James on the right, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd hope that we'd be playing with the pair of them. Uh, if, uh, what's it called? Reese James is fit again, so that would be great. Um, we'll just yeah. have to wait and see. But I, I have to agree with you that I think if we draw here, that would be a really good result. Of course, we need a win. Uh, I just don't think that Leicester City, despite having a few stutters in the last few weeks, will be like Arsenal and roll over. So um, they're just too strong at the moment. Draws a good, uh, a good result. Uh, I'll nevertheless try to be positive here and go with a two-one win for Chelsea or three-two. Let's say three-two because we're going to concede at least two here. That's just an assumption which probably will turn out to be right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that that would be my prediction, and I really do hope that Reese James returns and Tammy Abraham as well will be fit enough to play because even though he hasn't been banging them in as much as we would like, he's still our best attacking option. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that pretty much wraps it up. I mean, 
Yeah, I guess so. We had a lot to talk about today. Yeah, we did. Yeah, surprisingly, I, I didn't, I didn't expect this one to be as long as it did. I think we're running it just over an hour, so that's cool. I guess we will. No, no promises, but maybe we'll have a guest on next next time. It's just, it's just damn. I mean, it's just one of these things you can't take for granted anymore, is it? That's uh, that's yeah. just life, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, hopefully you haven't you haven't been bored to death listening to just the two of us over the last hour or so. And this is us signing off from the twenty second, I think, episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast, We Ain't Got No History's official Chelsea podcast. So this is Ram and that's Jimmy, and we are signing off. Bye bye. <laughs>